0: Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work
1: you love.
0: Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin.
1: What is up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of How Did You Get Into That. My name is Grant. It's good to have you here with us today. Hey, uh, today we got a great guest for you. This is a crazy story. This is actually a local business here in Nashville as many of you may know my family and I we just moved to Nashville Tennessee here in the US uh, about uh, about 8 months ago or so a little over 8 months and I quickly heard about this business that I was just like that's a thing like they actually do that they, they make a living from it so through some contacts and some friends got a hold of the guy that runs this business and it's it's fascinating I love hearing not only how they're making a living, how they're making a business, but also how they got into it. So today we're going to be talking with Nick Ray, who runs a company called Modern Nash. I'm just going to leave it at that. And then you're going to find out exactly what their business is. But let's just say they provide like, they're a third party service for a major like home goods, home furnishings superstore. So uh, it's just cool. It's just cool what they're able to do. So anyway, we're gonna be talking with Nick Ray of Modern Nash today. So we're gonna get to his stuff in just a second. Hey, just a reminder, if you missed this past episode, one of the things I let you know is that uh, normally we do this bonus round at the end of all of our conversations and chit chats. For these next several interviews, we are not doing that just to make it simpler for you. That way we do stick around, we chat for a couple extra minutes, but that way you don't have to download anything extra. And you just get it all in One simple file, one simple download makes it a lot easier and cleaner for you. Certainly understand that, and I want to make it uh, as user friendly as possible. So, anyway, let's get into it. Here we go. Nick Ray from Modern Nash. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of How Did You Get Into That. Today, we are joined by my buddy Nick Ray who uh, runs a interesting, fascinating business called Modern Nash. Now, my family and I, we just moved to Nashville about eight months ago or so at the time of this recording. And I kept hearing about this business in town that we needed to check out. And uh, so we did indeed stop by. You can hear that. He's actually he's in the showroom. He's working today. So but fascinating, interesting concept here. So, Nick, first of all, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Hey, doing
0: great, Grant. Thanks
1: we were recording this a few minutes ago and we're getting a bunch of static and feedback stuff so he moved to the showroom so if you hear any of that throughout, it's okay you can live with it people. So Nick first of all, tell us all about Modern Nash, like what is it that you guys do? There's a showroom back there so people are intrigued but what's behind the magic showroom curtain?
0: Sure, sure, well kind of at the core of what we do is offer a personal shopping experience for people who want Ikea here in Nashville and the surrounding areas that don't either want to drive to the closest store, which is in Atlanta, or deal with Ikea online. Ikea only ships a small percentage of what they actually sell. So if you find items online that you really like, there's a good chance that you have to go to the store to get them. So that's really where we come in. We ship the big stuff, too, but a lot of times it's the small stuff that they don't ship, which people love at Ikea. So we that's kind of the core of our service, where everything really began back in 2007. And now we offer additional services. Of course, we have our showroom with in-stock products that we keep available. But we also offer white glove delivery, assembly and installation services, design services for everything in the home and workspace.
1: Interesting. All right. So you see this gap in this existing business, which just happens to be IKEA. And not only is there no IKEA in Nashville, so people are interested in it, but they don't want to drive three or four hours to go get the stuff, but you are also helping people design their space, whether it's a you know a kitchen or an office or bedroom or whatever, and then assembling it. So you built the whole thing just on top of IKEA basically.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. We have a lot of people ask us uh, if we're ever going to ship other manufacturers and other products from different places. And my reply is always, we can barely keep up with Ikea and the 24,000 products that they offer. So right now we're going to (laughs) stick with that niche.
1: Nice. And they do for people that have been or haven't been like Ikea stores, I've been to a handful of them and they are Massive. They're right. just insanely big and they're just huge. And there's a lot of great stuff there. So, how does that work, like from a practical standpoint? I know, like I mentioned, you've got a showroom there. So, obviously, you can't house all 24,000 products that they carry. So, how does that kind of play out on a practical perspective?
0: Sure. Well, the main thing that we try to do is keep their top sellers available. Just through a process of so many years in the business, we've been able to pinpoint what are the products that our people are always ordering, always wanting. And we said, okay, back in 2010, we decided to open the showroom. We said, let's look at across all the different categories that they have and let's pick out what we'd say are our top five you know for bedroom products or storage products and let's keep those available and that's grown over the years just as we as trends have changed and people we see that they like one product more than another but It's nice if you need, like, one of their most popular products is this shelving unit. It's like a cubed bookshelf, open-sided, called the Calyx shelving unit. It holds records perfectly, so all the record buffs here in Nashville, once they find out about us, I mean, we'll see people in here two, three times within a few months buying more of them. So we, of course, keep those on hand.
1: Okay, so it's a matter of, like, in terms of what you actually keep on hand, it is just a hand, like, 100 products, less than 100
0: yeah, I'd say close to 300.
1: Okay. All right. So just a couple hundred of the 24,000. And I guess now that I think about it, one thing we should clarify for people that aren't familiar with Ikea or maybe have heard of it but aren't exactly sure what it is. It's a massive store, but what exactly do they sell?
0: Everything. <laughs> they even sell food. Swedish so, meatballs. Yep. Uh, that's yep. right. That's right. That's one of the big hits. Uh, people ask us for that all the time. But no, everything. I mean, office solutions for the home and also corporate style office. That's a huge growing portion of our business. But then, bedroom furniture, living room, dining room, kitchens. They sell complete kitchens, bathroom vanities, rugs, linens, knickknack stuff, cooking items glassware pans i mean it's honestly if you can think of it they have it i think the only thing they don't sell are like washers and dryers
1: yeah and it's pretty like again having been to a couple of the stores my wife likes it because it's nice stuff but it's fairly inexpensive too it's not like you're gonna break the bank going there
0: Without a doubt. I call it furniture you don't get married to. Yeah. You know, people's <laughs> tastes change so much nowadays. I mean you can like something this year and next year like ah I'm over that color. Right. And you know, if you go out and buy a five thousand dollar leather sofa, it doesn't matter what color it is. You're not getting rid of that thing until you feel like you got your use out of it. Right. But you can buy a five hundred dollar IKEA sofa and if you don't like it, you just pay a hundred bucks and get a new slip cover and it's a whole new sofa.
1: Right, right. They they do sell a ton of different things there. So you guys carry a handful of things, but then what do you do in that case where there's 24,000 items, you carry 300 in stock, someone wants something that you guys don't carry. How does that actually work then?
0: Right. That's where our personal shopping service comes in, where people can go online to our website and order anything. If you can find it at Ikea, we can get it. Where we draw the line is we don't ship perishable goods like meatballs or plants any kind of food products or perishable items like that. But other than that, I mean, if you can find it on their site and our shoppers can find it in the store, we can get it for you.
1: And so from a practical standpoint, that basically means they would go on, they'd find something that they want, whether on your site or IKEA site, and it's just you then, you've got someone from the team there or a couple people that are driving, what, a couple hours to an IKEA to actually just get the stuff and bring it back then, correct?
0: Right. When we first started, we made... A trip every six weeks. Now we make a trip every four days. And it's pretty wild how much it's grown. But then just the logistics of it is, you know, we have a team there every four days. They scour the entire store in every department. You know, it's a 450,000 square foot store. So just think of all the footsteps we're saving people, much less the gas. But yeah, our shoppers go into the store. They have a list of everything that's supposed to be pulled for that trip. And they pull it. They go through the checkout line just like a normal customer, purchase the products, and then we load it up onto our trucks and drive it back to Nashville.
1: Are you driving like 18-wheelers there and back?
0: No. We actually – we used to drive a 26-foot box truck that we were renting. Uh, We ended up changing the model a little bit. We bought a couple smaller trucks, 16-footers, and so that we can make more frequent trips, less gas, and – so yeah, essentially we pack out a 16 foot box truck every four days.
1: That's crazy. All right. So you bring right. it back and so it's stuff that people have already ordered. So you're just, you're not going down there buying stuff that you think people may or may not want. Like for the most part, it's stuff that people have already placed an order for, you've already received payment and you're just fulfilling the order. That's right. Interesting. That's right. All right. So let's backtrack a little bit because I'm fascinated on how you would actually get into something like this. So are you from Nashville? Or are you from the area?
0: No, I'm originally from Texas. I was born in uh, Arlington and grew up between West Texas and North Dallas.
1: And there's Nikea an in North Dallas in there.
0: That's right. Yeah. They just opened up one probably about six or seven years ago.
1: Yeah. See, I know my Ikea.
0: Frisco. Yeah. You're on it. You're on <laughs> I it. Just,
1: I happen to have passed <laughs> by that one before. But okay. So you grew up down there. What was it like you wanted to do with life? Did you, were you always drawn to like furniture or Ikea or how, <laughs> like what was pre-Ikea life for you?
0: Right. Right. So interesting thing. I went to school in Southern California and I graduated from Cal State Dominguez Hills with a degree in communications, mainly focused on writing and directing documentaries, and it's always been a passion. I love people's stories. I love to hear them. I love to tell them, and it would just seem like a natural thing for me, so business was not even in my wheelhouse, at least at that time, and it wasn't until I relocated to Nashville. My wife and I moved here uh, the summer of 2006, and That's when I had my first experience of having to trek down to Ikea. I bought some stuff there, drove it all the way back to Nashville, and it didn't work where I wanted it to go. The bookcases were too tall, so I put them on Craigslist. They Literally, I had 10 people contact me within the first hour, and I I was just blown away. I said, man, what is up with this? So kind of got my wheels turning, and then in uh, January of 2007, I was sitting down with my good buddy David Molnar, and we we're having a cup of coffee, and we were just talking about different business ideas. And that's kind of when I started realizing wow, I really kind of like this thought of dreaming of something and seeing if we could bring it to life and that it's at his bar at his previous home was when we came up with the idea we said hey what how crazy would it be to drive to atlanta and pick up a couple grand worth of ikea products and try to sell them on craigslist for a profit and so of course we told our our wives our brilliant idea and they both were like oh my gosh are you kidding (laughs) like (laughs) they it was kind of funny we had to really convince them that this was a good thing. So anyhow, that's really where it all started. And I think that's where I discovered, wow, I really like interacting with people. I love being able to be able to meet a need in the market that there obviously was there. And uh, we sold almost all the furniture within the first three weeks and started having people contact us that said, hey, I got your number from my buddy. He said he bought some Ikea stuff off of Craigslist. Are you happy? to be making another trip anytime soon because I could use some stuff and we're like my wife was really the brilliant one with the whole kind of back and I can tell you that story later if you like but anyhow that's really where the business started and how I got into it but I honestly I joke with my wife I say I you know I'm really not a huge fan of furniture like (laughs) it's kind of wild I think I just like the business of it because I'm a logistics person and it really it pushes the envelope on logistics with this type of model.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like it's less of a being like a furniture business and more more of like a logistics thing. And whether it's, it happens to be IKEA, but it sounds like, I mean, you could have done this for any number of things where you see a gap, you see an opportunity, and then just kind of fulfilling that gap. That's right. Interesting. So I'm friends with David as well. Great guy. He's the one that introduced us. And we've hung out with he and Tammy many times before, so I can envision that conversation. But so... Like Once you list something, like that very first thing before you guys go and make the actual trek down, you list that one thing, you get a ton of interest within that first hour. Is it an immediate light bulb or is it just kind of like weeks later that you're seeing this and connecting the dots or how did that kind of come to be?
0: No, it was actually probably six, seven months later. My wife and I relocated here to work for a local ministry that we had been working for out in Southern California, and we were both offered jobs at a training school that they had out here, and so we uh, ended up, we thought, hey, it would be closer, her family's from Atlanta, mine's from North Dallas, so it would be a closer thing to bring us closer to our families, you know, so we went ahead and jumped on that boat, moved out to Nashville, and So my mind wasn't even in that mode, and just through the process of moving out here, number one, the job that I moved out here to do didn't quite turn out the way the job description described it to be, so I was kind of, you know, I was bummed, I was like, wow, I moved all the way out here to do this job that I thought was going to be awesome, and now it's really not that awesome, so that's, but at that time, I met Dave, and Dave, I feel like he knew he was an entrepreneur from day one, you know, and so we just hit it off. And he was really kind of a amused for me and realizing, wow, I think there's something here inside me that I didn't know was there. And so it was through that conversation. You know, we moved here in April 2006, and it was January of 2007. And I'd gotten into real estate a little bit before that as well. And that's another story for another time. But Anyhow, all these kind of entrepreneurial ideas and thoughts and desires just really started bubbling to the top. And so, Modern Nash was really kind of my first stab at like a traditional business, even though I would say you could look back at my life and I've kind of always owned little businesses, even in childhood. But I didn't realize that because I just did it for fun. And that was really what Modern Nash was. It was, I just did it for fun. And it actually turned into something. It's kind of wild.
1: Interesting. That's that's crazy. So when you move out here to Nashville, it's to take a, a position, you start doing the position, and it's kinda sounds like it's like I think a lot of people that are listening to this, it's like I don't I don't hate it, I don't love it, but I just I don't know, it's not really what I signed up for and I'm not really sure what my other options are. So that would, that would be accurate.
0: No, you're right on point. It, you know, it's I'm sure there's many people that have taken a job, moved out of state or to a different state, and they get there and it's not what they want it to be and then you're stuck in this place like, wow, I've already made this huge commitment. I'm all the way, you know, for us, it was almost all the way across the country. And I'm not one to necessarily turn back with my tail between my legs. So I said, well, there's got to be something here, you know, Uh, there really has to be. And I actually ended up, I got my real estate license late 2006, just was enamored with the market. Everything was just going crazy, kind of like it is now. But in the middle of 2007 was when everything just kind of dropped out like people couldn't get financing i ended up going back to i grew up in the service industry waiting tables working in restaurants managing bartending everything like that my family's own restaurants from when i was little so that was i've kind of that's always been kind of my fail safe i spent 18 years in restaurant business before uh, going full-time with modern nash but I waited tables at Jay Alexander's down in Cool Springs for three and a half years until I went full time with Modern Nash. And I just worked Modern Nash during the day, waited tables at night. I did that for three and a half years until we opened the showroom the summer of 2010.
1: All right, let's talk a little bit more about that. So you and Dave have this idea. You notice this opportunity on Craigslist. You go down, you buy, you said what, $2,000 worth of stuff? That's right. How do you even know what to buy? We really didn't. We because <laughs> like it's we all did. speculative at that point. Like we're just gonna buy stuff and we're gonna turn around and list it on Craigslist. And like we hope it's what people want, but like, it's not like at that point you were taking orders or anything.
0: You're absolutely right. I think the one thing that we did know was those cube shelving units. We knew those would sell, so we got a handful of those, and then we got a handful of just other things that we thought just looked cool or, or we thought people would like, and we sold three fourths of it within that three weeks but then we had like a couple things that just people weren't digging and we're like man well all of our profits kind of wrapped up in this product here you know maybe we should make a trip back to atlanta and just return it and get our money and call it good and that's when my wife jumped in was like well hey if you're gonna have to go back why don't you call some people that you met on craigslist and see if they need anything and maybe cover at least your gas money. I was like, wow, that's a brilliant idea. So I started doing that. And at the same time, people started passing my number out to their friends. And so I actually had to get a new cell phone number because I eventually got to a point within a year, my phone would not stop ringing (laughs) uh, with people that wanted Ikea. It's pretty wild.
1: So what was uh okay? so you said your wife kind of had the harebrained idea on the logistics piece of that. How did that kind of come into play?
0: Right. Well, so we started just using PayPal. You know, people would email us what they wanted and we would create an invoice in PayPal, email it over to them. And at that time, we didn't require payment until after we got the products. <laughs> Scalability, that didn't work down the road. We ended up having yeah. to move to, you know, like you pay for the products and service in advance and then we deliver on it because we found ourselves becoming a bank. You yeah, know, we're yeah. like, wow, that's a lot of money to flow. But so anyhow, that was kind of how it initially started was we'll allow people to email us. Dave actually created our first website just with he knew about website development. We just had a simple jot form. People go in there, put their name, phone number, email and type in what they want. And they'd submit it to us and we prepare an invoice. We email it to them to confirm it. And then if they gave us the thumbs up, we'd pick it up on our next trip.
1: You know, this is one of the things I like about it is today you've got a showroom and you've got a couple trucks and you've got this, you know, polished process. But in the beginning, it sounds so primitive, you know, and it's just like, (laughs) but like, I think that's so like, that's what makes these conversations so interesting for people is it's just easy to look at it now and look at it today and be like, oh, they've got it all together and they've got these well-oiled machine. But like in the beginning, we're just driving down, just buying some stuff. And we're kind of getting through PayPal. We're kind of letting some people just like sketch out their order. And it's just like we're just kind of figuring it out as we go and just see where it takes us from there.
0: You're right on point. That really is our story. I always tell people that Modern Nash was created by its customers. Not We may have had the idea of bringing IKEA products to Nashville, but it wasn't until our customers started asking, hey, you know... I'm glad that you got our product and it's in your garage. I may be able to stop by Saturday to pick it up because we had Saturday-only pickups. It was in my garage until about a year and a half into it. My wife wanted her parking space back, so she kicked me out. But people started asking for a home delivery service, and I ended up buying a pickup truck from my father-in-law to facilitate that. And so we started making deliveries. And then I started getting calls. Hey, I can't get this product together. Do you offer any kind of service where you, you can assemble this for me? I was like, well, hey, I'm a fairly handy guy. I've got a power drill. Sure. Yeah. Uh, how about 50 bucks? I'll put that together. They're like, yeah. yeah, that's great. And that, I mean, uh, literally with all of our services, you know, it wasn't like this huge mastermind where we had it all mapped out. I think for us, it was keeping pulse with our customers and, you know, the core of what we do is fulfill needs. And as people started communicating that they have these needs and we felt like it was within our wheelhouse of expertise and ability, we started kind of developing systems around that.
1: Interesting. That's, it's all just again, like today, it looks so cool. But then it's also interesting just to hear like, no, we were just figuring it out as we went. And there, like, again, like you said, there's no master plan of oh, we're going to do this. And then six months later, we're going to offer this. It's just kind of paying attention to what people need and what some of those gaps are. So, so you said you were working at the restaurant doing serving at night doing the Modern Nash during the day. You said you did that for three and a half years before you were able to do Modern Nash full time?
0: That's right. So
1: like how often, like three and a half years is a long time. I mean, that's a big commitment to continue doing something that like may or may not pan out. So are there points during that three and a half years where you're just like this IKEA delivery (laughs) thing we're doing is fun? But it's taking way too much time, and it's just, I don't know if it's going to work. So I'm even wondering if it's even worth it. And it's a crazy idea to begin with. So, like, how often are those doubts running through your mind in those three and a half years?
0: Sorry, man, I'm just laughing because you just brought up, like, a flood of memories of many (laughs) conversations with my wife and I. I remember, I think it was 2009, and, you know, I think Dave and I had paid ourselves over the last two and a half years maybe like a total of a thousand dollars and we were just kept putting everything back into the business and we one point she pulled me aside and she was like okay you are spending more and more time on modern nash but we're not getting paid like at what point like do we see this you know and there's been iterations of that conversation throughout the history of modern nash you know but It was really at that time just through those kind of conversations that even the the showroom idea kind of popped into my mind because I realized that for this thing to really be something that could actually support not just my family but multiple families, we had to think bigger because the shipping game, there really is no money in that unless you are huge and you're doing massive volume. You know, for us, we try to keep our prices reasonable and palatable for our customers. So your margins really aren't that great. It was the additional services that we added on, which really made Modern Nash a viable business. But up until that point, it really wasn't. But I felt like, OK, if we're going to start offering you know, kitchen design, kitchen installation, all these things, we need to prove and show people that we can do it and they need to be able to have a place where they can touch and feel and push and pull. And so that's where the showroom concept came from, plus my desire to not wait tables for the rest of my life.
1: Right, right. So how do you, like at the three and a half year mark, it's one thing to realize we're going to at this breaking point, something we're going to sink or swim or something's got to change here. How did you finally decide to pull the trigger and go full-time with Modern
0: Right. Well, it was late 2009, just running the numbers. And I just thought, man, for us to make any money, we're going to have to triple or quadruple our shipping. And I just, I don't know how long that's going to take. And, uh, you know, our numbers and projections are looking good, but it was still, we were years out. I just thought... So there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a different way of looking at this. And so I thought about you know, companies that I've seen that are successful. And a lot of times, especially in the furnishing industry, it has to do with people want to try before they buy, you know, they want to be able to come in and really get a feel for it. And so when that idea popped in my mind, I started kind of estimating some numbers of what I thought it would take to be able to you know, build a showroom and what would that look like? And of course my numbers were way lower than what it actually took, but nonetheless, you know, I tried to get Dave to buy in on it with me at the time because we were 50, 50 partners. And he was just like, Man, I just don't see it. It's a huge (laughs) investment because I was talking about at least, you know, a 100,000 each thrown into the pot. And he was just like, number one, I'm not a place I can do that. But I just he's like, it just seems like too big of a risk. And uh, for some reason, I couldn't put it down. And and I I just thought, well, I'm going to write a business plan and let's just see based on the numbers that we are doing. I'll shop it around, see if I can, you know, find an investor, or somebody that believes in it. Actually, a, a local bank here, Reliant Bank. I got a, an in with their, their VP through a mutual friend, and I pitched my concept to her and showed her the business plan and said, "Hey, this is what I need to get started." And they came back and said, "Hey." We think this is cool. We want to be a part of it. And I was kind of shocked because I just, I guess. (laughs) I
1: didn't think it would actually work.
0: I know, right? In the back of my mind, I was like, wow, I actually have, I've like actually convinced like a bank that this will work. To give me a lot of
1: money. Right?
0: So. (laughs) so anyhow that was kind of it and it was in uh, 2010 uh, Dave and I agreed to end our partnership and I ended up buying the business from him and you know his photography business was just blowing up and so it was it was just a natural thing and I have to say Dave was uh, he's an amazing guy I mean like that's a whole other story the art of negotiating you know buying a partner out of a business uh, it was pretty pretty neat story there but anyhow that was kind of where it happened i got the loan approved the middle of 2010 and what well, was it in july and i immediately quit working at g alexanders and i already had uh, some employees that were working for me we were working out of a corner of a warehouse of a company that rented out frozen drink machines that was our <laughs> space at the time after my garage days were over and so we found a location and I just, you know, again, a lot of logistics involved in that. But, you know, what I thought was going to take a couple hundred thousand ended up taken about half a million to do. And so that's, uh, man, it was fun, but very scary times getting this thing open.
1: How many times in the past several years have you still had some of those doubts and those insecurities and those fears wondering, is this going to work? Is this crazy? Is this am I losing my mind? Do I just need to go get a job? Or how often are those things hitting your head?
0: Right. You know, I'd like to say I hadn't thought about anything like that in years, but maybe it's just part of being an entrepreneur as well. But I I can think just last week, you know, yeah. I hit a certain yeah. point where I was just, you know, I have certain goals that I want to meet. I'm a pretty aggressive person. And so when I'm not hitting those as quick as I want to, there's a part of me that just goes, what am I doing? What is this even worth it? This yeah. is crazy. You know, we've got, what, 13 employees and coordinating... Mo- just so much stuff right now and i'm like is this is this worth it because i you know my vision for what this could be is is way beyond me i mean it's going to take probably several miracles to even get there but i still just have this hope in my heart that it can be as big as i envision it
1: yeah very cool. Well, Nick, man, I appreciate you taking a couple minutes with us. Share your story with, in your journey. I think that's going to be uh, really encouraging and inspiring to people listening. So, especially if you're interested in, in IKEA stuff and you're in the Nashville area, definitely stop by check out their showroom there. But for we got people listening literally all over the world that may just want to check out your site and see how you guys have kind of built the business. So, uh, where can we go to find out more about you and, and what you guys are up to?
0: Sure. Yeah, you can just go direct to our website modernash.com. It's one in in Modern Nash. We get that all the time. Uh, even if you do type in 2Ns, though, it'll still get you to our site. So, But, yeah, that. And then uh, you can always check us out on Yelp. People are always intrigued by our reviews. We've worked really hard to take care of people, and it's fun to see them communicate that you know, online.
1: Cool. Excellent. Well, Nick, appreciate the time, man. Really good stuff.
0: Hey, thanks, Grant. You take care.
1: All right. There you go, my friends. Hope you enjoyed that chit chat with Nick Ray of Modern Nash. Isn't that a cool story? Like just crazy. Like you list something on Craigslist and what do you know? A couple years later, it becomes like this full-time gig, this business with like employees and trucks and a showroom and like all this, this craziness. So really enjoy that. So again, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to this episode, episode 139. So we'll be coming at you with uh, episode 140 next week. So be on the lookout, my friends. We are coming up on the end of the year as well. we got some exciting stuff in store for you. So we'll be sharing that with you in, in the coming weeks. So be on the lookout for that. That is all, my friends. We will catch you next time. You're awesome.
0: Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.